Welcome to Let's Talk Trade, a podcast by the World Trade Organization. I'm Yuri Zabu Yamashita. The COVID-19 pandemic has impacted livelihoods around the world. And amid this chaos, many companies, big and small, have found creative ways to pivot back, including through trade. And how did they do it? This is a focus of the WTO's public forum in 2021, building resilience in the wake of the pandemic. This is also our focus on this first season of this podcast. So let's talk trade. Today, resilient stories. Farafina. Around the world and back. How has the pandemic affected the poorest countries, which often depend on agricultural exports? What are their prospects ahead? To get a better glimpse into this, I spoke with someone who lived through this firsthand. Omar Baruto Gola is the founder of a food company called Farafina. This company exports food from Mali to North America. And of course, the business was disrupted because of the pandemic. But they found a way to bounce back. And the solution was closer to them than they imagined. My name is uh, Omar Baruto Gola. I'm the CEO and founder of Farafina. I currently reside in uh, Canada and British Columbia. I am originally from Mali. So Farafina is a social enterprise that works with uh, African women, smallholder farmers, and help them sell their products uh, on a global market. Uh, our vision is to really, to really create equity uh, on the ground, starting at the grassroots and also starting with women. And we currently have uh, three employees uh, here in Canada and about uh, close to 15 uh, in Mali. So we have a grain called Fonio, and Fonio is an ancient grain uh, that's been consumed uh, in West Africa for over 5,000 years. It's kind of couscous-like grain, very nutritious, high in iron, low uh, glycemic index, which makes it ideal for people we're watching the sugar level. What we do as a company, we actually have trucks uh, going to these villages every two weeks to pick up the products. Once we bring these products here, we trap them into powder, make gluten-free pancake mixes, waffle mixes, and for the retail market. It was really to kind of uh, provide an alternative product for people and also really to showcase uh, African. Uh, indigenous uh, products. So what has been the impact locally for, for these women and, and also for their communities? It's been, uh, that's been a really, really humbling uh, experience. Every single time we uh, take a trip to Mali, sit down with the families that we've been working with and really understanding what the realities were uh, prior to collaborating with, uh, with Farafina. Some of these people had been farming for decades and nothing they were living in pure like you know really poverty um, because they only had the opportunity to sell their products on the local market once a week and that once a week they along with other hundred, hundreds of people selling the same product so that was that was a pure challenge and the fact that they had to walk 20 kilometers to sell their products carrying these heavy load on their head I didn't understand that reality at first, but 
when these people sit down and just break down crying and talking about how uh, working with Farafin has um, not just saved them, but their families and their communities, because now they were able to send the kids to school and these kids were able to get educated. And now the family had enough money to really purchase different things that they never thought they would do. But really, that the biggest learning was really to see how much impact we've had on these communities. That was my goal since day one, to work with this, uh, these communities and provide uh, my little knowledge and expertise and to create prosperity. Um, because I know at first hand what it feels like to, to grow up in these communities. Like I was one of those people when I was young. It must be very fulfilling to see the impact that Farafina has had in these, in these communities. And a lot of it is, is driven by trade, by your business model. But then the pandemic hit and, and what happened? I mean, the impact was felt all around in terms of borders being closed. So we were not able to ship containers out of Mali anymore, which really um, impacted the farmers because for over you know, seven years, we had a promise that we kept. And that was purchasing products from these farmers every two weeks to the end of the season. And suddenly we were no longer able to purchase that. So they were sitting on products, didn't know what to do with the products. And now we're having to figure out. So that it was a big stretcher uh, for us, for them. Uh, it was, it was challenging, challenging. It, we just had to kind of be creative about finding uh, ways, which we did. Can you elaborate a little bit more? Tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, so during the pandemic, we started really reflecting on um, what our focus had been over the past, um, you know, eight years, which was really to um, bring export food out of Africa to the North American market. I mean, 100% trade oriented, but also out, I like, you know, export trade oriented. Um, we wanted to, so we reflected and tried to figure out what I am as a company we were kind of contributing to this whole extraction. So bringing food in, into North America and put, uh, putting on the shelves, it's an option in North America. It's a necessity in Africa. The people in Africa are the ones who actually need the most. So uh, pivoting and focusing on the continent because we need to provide this health and nutritious product to people locally and to reduce uh, you know, different challenges like, you know, famine, malnutrition, even mass migration. And how did this shift uh, go about, you know, to, to plan for an intra-African focus? Uh, how did you go about it? What changed for you and for the business? So we've created this uh, uh, business model, farm to fork Africa, feeding Africa, small to farmers, feeding consumers. So we are developing a platform where Farmers who grow crops or farmer who grows fruits and vegetables can actually join, join our platform to sell the produce and then it gets delivered directly to consumers at home. So with the convenience of, uh, of your home, you can pick up your mobile phone and order uh, any type of fruits, vegetable or crops from your local farmers and it gets delivered to you within 24 hours. So this pandemic has really pushed us to really be creative. And uh, now we've found a solution that could really have long lasting impact, not just in Mali, but over all over the continent. So focusing inter-Africa uh, inter uh, trade made sense. Our goal is still 
to get the products on the global market, but at the same time uh, to make sure that their families are fed. So once that, that understanding was in place, that's when we came up with the so idea of focusing on locally uh, because our biggest market was, was right in front of us, but we didn't see it because we thought exporting to North America was the, uh, the biggest opportunity when in fact it was uh, the local local focus. So the pandemic really, really um, helped us reshape our business model, made us reflect on uh, and understanding why we are doing this and who we're doing this for. Mm, sort of to, to wrap up, how does the future look like for, for Farafina? This is kind of a little bit off topic, but when you look at uh, the fastest runners in the world, like, you know, basketball players, you know, we only watch the games, right? But the countless amount of hours that they put practicing, we don't see all those things, right? So to me, that's resilient. So I feel like the best is yet to come for what we are trying to do as a company, because all these these past eight years have really built us for better and bigger things. And that's what we're really excited about. So Omar found a way forward in intra-African trade, which is currently an important topic in the trading world, as the African continental free trade area develops. And how does Omar's story reflect the reality of other least developed countries? We spoke to someone at the WTO who specializes in helping these countries trade. Uh, my name is Annette Semwemba. I am the Deputy Executive Director at the Secretariat for the Enhanced Integrated Framework. Sometimes it sounds like a mouthful, but really um, uh, we are a program dedicated to um, working with our least developed countries. Um, we support institutional and productive capacity building so that we can uh, help the LDCs to integrate better into global trade. And for those who are not very familiar with all of the, the acronyms, could you talk a little bit about what's an LDC? Least developed countries, these are low-income countries. Um, uh, usually they are classified as the poorest um, in the world, conf confronting several um, structural impediments uh, to sustainable development. They are very uh, vulnerable in terms of uh, their economic um, environments. Um, they are very, they are impacted by environmental shocks and, and have very low um, levels of human assets. And so you mentioned a lot of the challenges these countries face. So what's trade like for LDCs in general? Well, that's a really important question. Um, trade is a critical component uh, of the development strategies um, for LDCs. Um, as, as you might know, as you might have read, um, world merchandise exports and uh, exports for services in LDCs has remained very, very low. They, um, their contribution to a uh, global trade hovers or is in below uh, 1%. And this hasn't improved since the um, financial crisis in uh, 2008. And COVID has caused even uh, this uh, situation to become even worse. Um, LDC economies have been very, very badly hit. In terms of um, how important trade is, we have seen in, in countries where uh, there's been improvements and, and growth in trade, general improvements around um, the economies, 
And also for people that engage in trade, um, women, we've seen growth in incomes, we've, we've seen growth in the number of jobs arising from trade opportunities. So trade is very, very important um, to these economies. Yes, and I think uh, Omar's story illustrates that a little bit. Uh, so you see that he, he has you know, fostered uh, an exporting business, a business that uh, is focused on agriculture, a business that provides livelihoods for, for women and empowers women. How, how important is agriculture to, to LDCs and how important is them to, for LDCs, especially in Africa, to, to take that path, uh, to, to take part in these activities? Very, very uh, important. And, and reflecting again on the work of the EIF, um, I would say 80% of our productive capacity support is focused on sectors that are around agriculture. Agriculture is by far the single most important economic activity, especially in, in LDCs. Also looking at, um, from experience and from some of the visits that, um, I have taken in the field, it is in the agriculture sector where you find the number of uh, women most engaged. Uh, women work in the fields. Women are involved in processing. So again, if we want to ensure that um, the uh, large um, percentage of our vulnerable population is engaged in some economic activity, again, agriculture is a sector that uh, we need uh, to consider. And it's a sector that then remains uh, very, very important. As part of the... Uh, and uh, discussions under the continental free trade area. Again, this is a sector that is being taken as critical to be able to deliver on um, the benefits that are anticipated from the, that um, uh, arrangement. And also something that was quite clear to us in this interview was that Omar spoke about the importance of equitable trade. Since agriculture is the, one of the main focus here on the continent, I feel like it's got to be properly equitable and it uh, has to be fair to the smallholder farmers because I feel like they are the backbone of the, uh, the, the African economy. I think that um, that's a really, really important issue. So while trade um, indisputably is a positive force in LDC um, development uh, trajectories, inequity can also be fostered when certain key uh, demographics, um, for example, the women and youth are excluded from full and effective participation in the economy. And uh, this is often a result of structural impediments that need to be gradually dismantled. Omar mentions the effect of the pandemic on his business and how it made him rethink his whole model. Do you know how other LDCs have been affected? What stories can you tell us? Oh, the pandemic has been very disastrous. I will say, in LDCs. It has been disastrous because LDCs rely a lot on movement of goods along, um, along roads or ports or border posts. And because of the pandemic and the, the impossibilities of, um, created by um, uh, lack of movement, uh, I'll use the example of maize. Um, there's a lot of trade that happens, maize trade that happens uh, between um, the border of Uganda and Kenya. Uh, women collect maize from different uh, growers. And once they have the bulk that they need, this maize needs to be transported to the neighboring country by truck. Now, during the COVID crisis, there were no trucks available. 
that was a huge uh, constraint at the time. There was the need that the drivers have a, a negative COVID test to be able to cross the border, to be able to be allowed to cross the border. So the, the one issue that women need, needed to find was the truck because trucks were not available. Secondly, to find a driver that was willing to pay for a COVID test and COVID tests uh, have been very expensive. Uh, there was no government program that was offering free COVID tests. So a driver, a COVID test, and then a young men and um, that could load a truck to be able to take it across. You might have had, especially in, in East Africa, truck drivers were the biggest conduit for COVID-19. So that sort of paints a picture of how much was lost in terms of business, the difficulties, the number of days that were spent. And having crossed into Kenya, there's another a processor for clearance that was required. Again, the trucks needed to be offloaded and there was no offloading manpower. If I can only paint a picture around that one value chain, there are many, many other value chains that suffered, mainly because agriculture produce is a key sector for export uh, between borders. What does the future look like now for, for LDCs uh, as we continue, you know, to, to, to deal with all of the challenges that the pandemic has brought and that are still, still around? Honestly, I think the future is still very bleak. And for LDCs, I say this because when we thought that uh, the situation is improving, uh, that uh, the, the situation was starting to stabilize, a third wave, second wave or third wave, depending on which country we're talking about, came in. And um, the vaccination rates are also very, very low in LDCs. Um, in some countries, only 2% of the population has been fully vaccinated. And without the vaccinations, it will be very, very difficult to get the normal life back, to get everything working as normally as we would anticipate. Uh, we still see um, a few years of uh, difficult times. However, I think there's still a glimmer of hope uh, because when the situation stabilized before this second, before this Delta wave, uh, the information that we had from the countries was they had started to adapt. So we hope that um, if the vaccinations can improve, if we don't see any more waves uh, in the next uh, year or so, um, things will start to improve. We've also seen new sectors crop up. For example, as I said, through uh, digital trade, if we can help these uh, platforms to grow, if we can uh, see the best way to sustain uh, these sectors, I think that um, uh, trade will start to, to grow again and uh, we'll start to see improvement, but it's going to take time. And um, the DJ has, this, has made this very, very clear that um, trade is for the people. Uh, there are people that we are serving. Let's see how to serve these people so that uh, we can improve lives. Thank you, Annette. Annette just mentioned the DG. Again, jargon explainer. This is how we refer to the WTO's Director General, Dr. Ngozi Okonjiwela. Thank you for listening. A big thank you to Omar Barutogola for sharing his story. And to Annette Semuemba for talking to us. To learn more about the work of the EIF, visit enhancedif.org. To learn more about other stories of resilience, visit the WTO's public forum page. 
Make sure to subscribe to our podcast in your favorite platform and help spread the word. Also check out our Let's Talk Trade video series in the WTO's website and in social media platforms. Until next time.